We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 472 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Ian Hilton, and I have the pleasure of being joined again by Ines Braga Sampayu from Renascensa. Today, we are previewing the Women's Champions League final between the Barca Femini and Wolfsburg. And so the first and most important question, though, because it has been the whole season. How's it going, Ines? Well, hey there. Thank you, first of all, for the invite. Uh, it's great to be back here. Barcelona's season has been going very, very well, of course, uh, apart from, uh, you know, getting knocked out uh, from the Copa de la Reina because of, uh, you know, from off the field, because of off the field issues, that irregular um, use of gays. But, uh, you know, when a team is so dominant internally, I think their season you know, the, the, uh, the VL end all of the season is a Champions League. So if they don't win the Champions League, but then it's not going to be a fully successful season. It's, uh, it's their main goal. So I think it, it all hangs in, hangs in the balance, you know, for, for this one game. Yeah, we're, we're diving right in. We're jumping right in because these are the stakes of it. So let's set the scene just a little bit. It's tomorrow, 10 a.m. here in New York. 4 p.m. Barcelona time on Saturday, that being tomorrow, and it will take place at PSV Stadium in Eindhoven, the Philips Stadion, which can sit about 35,000 people. And while that number won't be close to the Feminis matches at the Camp No, obviously, almost 60,000 less people <laughs> at the Champions League final, potentially, than what was at the, the Camp No for the, the Femini match, especially that El Clasico, it should still be a great atmosphere. What do you think of the location, Ines, and just the... I guess we'll say the progression with bigger and bigger stadiums for this Women's Champions League final over the last few seasons. Um, I think it's important to say, first of all, that the Netherlands are a great footballing country. So uh, I don't let, I, I don't want uh, anyone to take me wrong in this uh, in this sense. But the truth is, the the stadium is too small um, because I fully believe that. The, these two teams that are so big in women's football, they could have filled up a, a bigger stadium, you know. Uh, and I, I'm not asking for like uh, 80,000 uh, seats. I'm asking for like 60,000 seats. That one mm. would be full. So it's it's a pity. But still, the Netherlands, again, it's, it's a great footballing country and its fans are very passionate. Fans of both teams are very passionate as well. So I think with... 
they will make the most of what they have. I wish that they would have a little bit more. And I think UEFA have been a little, uh, you know, they've lacked in foresight, considering, you know, the, the, the amount of crowd that the that women's football has been able to, to garner. So I wish that they would have, that they would have had the foresight to, you know, to realize that, okay, this is maybe too small for how big it is right now, for such a big game. Because, um, okay, Smaller games, of course, they don't have as much crowd, but you know the turnover for 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 big games has been amazing. Like mm. the uh, the women's the final of the women's Euro has the most had the most crowd in like all of the Euros, men and women. So you know you have to have to like you have to start having this uh, you know the, the like the awareness that yeah big games are gonna have big crowd so 35,000 people is not big enough for how big this game is yeah we've seen some big crowds this season like I already mentioned of course at the camp no but Arsenal had a huge record-breaking crowd for them in in the UK we've seen PSG Lyon when those two teams played each other this year was a huge match huge numbers Bayern Munich against Wolfsburg which we'll get to huge numbers for that one as well so for now focusing on Barca for a bit, then we'll work on Wolfsburg. As you mentioned, Barcelona heading into this thing is going to be a main theme here. They are the favorites on paper and just overall, not just because this is a Barcelona podcast, not just because this is Kool-Aid, but Barcelona is the favorite on paper. And also even historically, we'll go through it here a little bit. This is Barca's third time in the final, twice losing to Lyon and once winning it all. And it's Wolfsburg's sixth time in the final. Their only wins coming in 2013 and 2014. So it's been a while for them. And oddly enough, that 2014 season saw these two meet in Europe and Barcelona having just professionalized, having just really inaugurated their step forward into European football. They were beaten 5 nothing over the two legs in the quarterfinals. Now, obviously, that was 10 years ago. And in Barca Femini time, that is, that is BC to AD. It's, it's not the same thing. So this season, Barca got to the final by topping their group and then beating Roma and narrowly beating Chelsea in the semifinal. Wolfsburg also topped their group and beat PSG and Arsenal 5-4 extra time in London. That was definitely the game to watch in the semifinal on that second leg, and that got them to the final. So, Ines, do you think, though, and this kind of this question is loaded with other questions, too, do you think the two best teams in Europe made the final this season in Barcelona and Wolfsburg, or did you feel like two other teams might have deserved it? Because I felt like Wolfsburg were probably the underdogs against Arsenal, too, not to, not to show my hand a little bit too much there. I think I think one of the two, three. Well, this this is a lot of question. Um, I think they were the most informed teams of the season, maybe in, in European uh, at European level, at international level specifically, because we, you know, Wolfsburg lost the league to 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 Bayern. So, and they were the teams that were the most able to, you know, to to face off against uh, like powered opponents and i do think um and i know i'm entering a little bit into uh wolfsburg uh field here but i do think that wolfsburg is the most dangerous team that could have uh you know showed up in the final you know in terms of like how barcelona plays how they play uh the face-off i think this is the, the most dangerous team possible this season uh, for Barcelona, I think uh, you know the, it was so level with Arsenal, but I think Arsenal would have had a lot, uh, you know, 
a much more difficult time facing off Barcelona than Wolfsburg will have, in my opinion. I think it's, you know, how the teams fit, how uh, they play. Also, Wolfsburg's experience at the highest level, because the truth is uh, Barcelona are favorites for their recent history. history. And it's true that like 10 years ago is like a century in Barcelona terms. But the truth is Wolfsburg are historically the better team. Uh, you know, because they've mm -hmm. been here for 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 longer, if they, and they've had success for longer, so it's it's much it's very much you know like like last year's final, it's very much a, a duel between uh, history and the now. But Wolfsburg are strong now too. So, uh, but yes, I do think these were the strongest teams in the Champions League this year, the ones that you know that showed that they could face off against. Uh, smaller opponents, but also, you know, beat the, the stronger ones. So, yeah, I think it, this is the most uh, balanced uh, final we could have had, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I was going to say that the two teams, I, the team, I should say, that I think everyone is asking about, Wolf, it's Wolfsburg and Barca Femini. That means that Lyon must be somewhere. <laughs> where, where is Lyon? And the answer to that question is they had... Now, everybody has injuries, especially in the women's game this year. There was a ton of injuries everywhere to major players. But when I say Lyon had a lot of injuries, I mean Lyon had a lot of injuries, yes. as in where almost 40% of their team at any moment was on the sideline for months at a time. So Lyon did wind up losing to Chelsea in the quarterfinal. So neither Barca nor Wolfsburg even had to go through Lyon to get there. Because I, I do believe that even though Lyon had all those injuries and on paper again was struggling this year, they must have have somewhat of a somewhat of a mental edge against Barca and Wolfsburg because basically the one team who keeps beating Barca and Wolfsburg exactly. is Lyon when they're, when they're in their form. So I think Lyon might have had some kind of a mental edge. But again, I think both these teams fortunate just to dodge that uh, and get away from them. So speaking of history, by the way, too, 2019-2020, and one of the reasons why I think this is, this will say the, 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 the balance of powers have shifted between Wolfsburg and Barcelona in recent years is that going back to 1920 Wolfsburg snuck by Barca with a 1-0 win. The goal scored by Pridolina Rolfa, then playing for Wolfsburg, now playing for Barca Femini, of course. Then for the next season, 2021, Barca and Wolfsburg meet in the semifinal, and it's Barcelona walloping the Germans 5-1 at home and not being too bothered by the 2-0 loss in Germany because it was pretty much already wrapped up by that point. And since that time, well, not since then, but in the, in the years both prior to and including, Caroline Graham Hansen, Ingrid Engen, and Rolfel all signed for Barcelona from Wolfsburg. And I think that does bring up a bit of, as you mentioned, I mean, Wolfsburg and Barcelona, they know each other quite well at this point. They've met in recent years. Again, the overlap of players as well can't be understated that, I mean, you could do Caroline Hansen a little bit here, but she's going to be a main focus of many of my other questions as well as we move forward. So I think just the question would be, how well do you think these two teams do know each other and how will that play into this final? I think, well, yeah, they know each other very well. Uh, you know, like you said, Engen, Holfo, Graham Hansen have been in, in both teams. Then you have like a player like Jill Ward, who, by the way, is a is a is a Barca fan. Uh, not that that pay, plays uh, yeah. into it in at all, but it's just you know it's just a, a factoid. But you know, she's a very Barca-like player as well. I think. They know each other very well. I think they fit, like, in terms of game and, and how they play, they fit very well together. 
and that's also why I think it'll be so difficult for Barcelona. I think that's also why it, it, it's one of the, the opponents, the toughest opponents that Barcelona could have had in terms of like, you know, how you compare one team to the other, how one team can play against the other strengths and, and uh, weaknesses, um, you know, apart from Lyon, of course, but Lyon, like you said, has had a ton of injuries. I think uh, Lyon and Arsenal were the, the most uh, affected teams in that sense. So, and that's why, that's also why I wouldn't say Lyon ha have been one of the best teams of the season because they were so uh, depleted yeah. injury-wise. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, again, Barcelona and Wolfsburg have played each other plenty. They, they that interchangeability of players also and you know when when you're two teams that are constantly at, at you know at the top level you know playing the most important games um you know that also leads to you know to possibilities of studying each other and uh, always you know you you're always bound to maybe uh face off so i think it'll be it's it's like it's like two old rivals playing each other and there's not yeah. much that one can do to surprise the other unless uh, I, I do think there's a card there may be a card up uh Hanatan Giraldes' sleeve, which is maybe Alexia as number nine. I am waiting we'll for get into that in a second. Exactly. Yeah. But other than that, it's it's again, they know each other very well. It's very it's gonna be a very tough uh final for both. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. 
So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Well, the interesting thing is too, both of these teams for as much as they will say earned and deserved their spot in the final, they both have, not to say taken off in recent weeks, but in their league, they have both limped to the finish line. And that is almost a compliment. For Barcelona, it is tough because they lost one match, their first loss in the league all of this season. And I think we're, what, almost 15 minutes in and people have probably been screaming this entire time for this question is one of the big elephants in the room is that Barcelona, again, just conceded a recent loss in Liga to Real Madrid. And so my first question is, how worried are you about that loss that just took place to, to, to go into the Champions League final, having lost just two matches all season long for the Barca Femini, but to head into the Champions League final with their first loss this season in the league does not seem to be good timing. But do you put any any stock in that loss at all? Well, I mean, you always have to consider bad results. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's a... Uh when you're not playing for anything anymore, it's tough to keep, uh, you know, the players motivated to, and to keep, you know, the players uh, playing to the best of their uh, capabilities. And, you know, the truth is they were champions already. That's like, and, you know, they couldn't do anything in the Capital Arena again, because they were out. So it's, they've been, it's been very much a waiting game for them. And I think, that's what may be dangerous, actually. It's not the loss. It's like, it's what the loss means. It's why the loss happened. Because they've mm. been, it's, they've been in a, in a non-competitive uh, context for a while since they became champions. Because the truth is, they haven't played for anything, really, since they became champions and since they qualified for the final. So, you know how like I don't like compare I don't like mentioning uh, the men's game when we're talking about the women's game, but it reminds me sort of of PSG in the French league. You know how mm. their season pretty much you know uh, amounts to okay getting the, uh, the the you know winning the league and then it's the Champions League mostly. So like when you're in a in a context that is not competitive enough, not because of the because the, league, the Spanish league isn't competitive competitive enough, it's because you know they won and then they had a bunch of games where they were playing for absolutely nothing. Yeah. That can lead to you know relaxation, and uh, that can and not keeping those uh, those levels of competitiveness and you know and doing everything all like all the time, constantly, that can lead to, you know, to, to some faltering. And that's what happened. That's why that loss happened, in my opinion. 
Um, and that is what can be dangerous for, for the final because, uh, you know, whereas Wolfsburg had to fight for the title in, in the, uh, in the Bundesliga uh, till the very, till the, till the very end, because, uh, Bayern yeah. became champions, you know, at the very last moment, um, Barcelona have been just playing for the sake of playing for a while. And that, that can be dangerous because, you know, physically even, It can lead to, you know, uh, so yeah, in terms of mentality, physicality, yeah, it can lead to to some. I mean, you know, one team as is at the top of their game currently, even if they had some not so good results, but they're at the top yeah. of their their game in terms of like competing, and the other has been yeah. waiting for this game for a while. So that can be uh, can be dangerous. Yes. Well, let's jump right into uh, how. Barcelona will likely line up in this contest. And I think the attention begins with the midfield, certainly between Patri, Kiera Wals, Ingrid Engen, Aitana Banmati, of course, Alexi Buteas, those five names in particular. Who do you think Jonathan Garalzdez is going to start for this game? Because I, from my view, I think for this game, the starting trio kind of does pick themselves more than any other. But I mean, and when I say that, I mean, in uh, with with Patri, Walsh and Aitana like that's where I would expect but as you just mentioned with Alexia kind of being the wrinkle here that's also the question where it's like are you going to bench Alexia Buteas or Kyver come off the bench regardless of the fact that she is still working her way back it should not be understated she is still working her way back from the ACL injury has not started a match yet since she returned from that injury so what kind of contribution are you expecting from Alexia Buteas in this game because again I think on paper I don't understand how Patri, Walsh, and Aitana are not that starting midfield trio. And I know, again, you're adding, you can even add Lucy Bronze to this too because of the way that she inverts into that midfield in some of that buildup and her fitness as well. She's also coming back from an injury. And so questions of how much is Barcelona getting out of Alexia and Lucy Bronze, I think wind up being this bigger question than, than anything else. Well, that is a big question. Um, Alexia, I think... Okay, this is like I, I hate doing predictions because I could be totally wrong, and I'm not in Geraldes' uh, mind. But I do think she's going to start, but but I think she's not going to start in midfield. I think there's going to be that's going to be like the big card uh, up Geraldes' sleeve. That's going to be the big surprise. Um, I think she'll start as the number nine, um, and Ashawala didn't train um, today, so that that's feeding into my uh, into my guess even more um so i think it'll be between marta and bronze um in the uh, in the right wing and then uh, of course uh mati and paredes um Holfo on the left of course and then the, the midfield trio is going to be um patri kira and and aitana and then you're going to have on the le on the right obviously cgh um carolyn graham hansen And then on the left, it's I'm gonna. That's the question. I'm gonna. Yeah, the left is the question. I'm gonna go for Mariona, and this is purely because I am a huge fan of Mariona, and so I would I would say Mariona every day, all day, every day. So I'm gonna say Mariona on the left, just personal preference, purely. And then Alexia is number nine, as well, number nine, you know, uh, between mm -hmm. quotation marks, because I, I think she's going to be more like a false nine. But um, yeah, that's how it, that's how I think they'll line up. We'll see. 
But I think that that uh, their experiment that Keraldes did with Alexia as number nine against Madrid CFF, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's how he's going to go. And I think that's, he's, that's going to be his big, you know, shake up to try and fool Wolfsburg a bit. But we'll see. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my best guess. Yeah, I mean, and for those who may have been watching so much this year, you said Rolfo at left back, obviously, is what you said. And that's true, that she's been playing as that left, not even left back, but more of a left wing back because Barcelona has so, so much possession that she's just up there upfield all the time, is scoring goals. Basically, it's the same player occupying the same space, except she's also expected to defend, which physically she's, she's, more than capable yeah, of she, doing that um, in the game. And she melds very well with Mariona, in my opinion, because Mariona mm-hmm. goes into uh, inner terrains and goes to the defense. I mean, Mariona is a, is a uh, what you would call, um, you know, like she, um, I, I'm missing the word right now, but, you know, she, she goes, she, yeah, and she goes around the field. She pops up everywhere. Uh, and that makes space for, for Hopeful to, you know, to go, up the wing, and then on the other side, it's sort of the uh, it's a very asymmetrical team for a purpose, of course, because on the other side you have bronze again, like you said, who goes into the midfield a lot, and Catalin, <clears throat> sorry, Catalin Graham Hansen is much more vertical than Mariona, so I, I love that as asymmetricality, and I think that's why I choose this starting eleven because uh, it's. It plays so well, you know, uh, it's so fluid and you can have like, you can have two extra midfielders at any time, three extra midfielders if you put Alexia uh, up front. So I think they're going to try and dominate the midfield as they always do, of course, but with numbers as well as, you know, their wonderful dynamics. Yeah, I mean, it is the two former Wolfsburg players in Caroline Graham Hansen and Rolfo who add so much to that verticality, uh, verticality, as you mentioned. And I mean, Rolfo was just a pair of lungs. I mean, she's, she has an ability to get up and cover space and to defend in that space as well, especially when Barcelona are taking that line of confrontation. And of course, I mean, we've kind of been tiptoeing around it, but it's pretty simple here that especially if you start Alexi Buteas as the, the number nine, that is an admission that Barcelona know they're going to be high field. They know they're going to have to break down what is going to likely be a medium to low block that Wolfsburg is going to play, that they're going to try to counterattack out of, as you mentioned, those different styles. And even against Arsenal, Wolfsburg, while Arsenal had all those injuries, it got 50-50 in extra time and things like that. But the way that first leg started, it was Wolfsburg kind of in their shell, giving maybe too much credit to Arsenal and then trying to come out of their shell in that way. And I think being clinical, as you mentioned, especially if Aswala is not fit, being clinical is going to be essential. And expecting, there is tons of midfield scoring, especially in the Champions League finals. Aitana, I mean, that's how she made her name in the last Champions League final win. Alexi Buteas scoring goals and things like that. But I think up top, as far as forwards maybe being the ones to even break through here, you mentioned that Mariona would be your starter, but she isn't the only option. There's Gese, there's, again, Aswala would be a shock fit, but I mean, potentially, and then Salma as well. And then the big name for me, which again, I think is to say the X factor of the season, maybe the X factor of the final is Claudio Pina, very much like bronze and Alexia coming back from injury, still not fit. And, and Claudia Pina before her injury to Claudio Pina after her injury is not to say night and day, but she hasn't to me of what I've seen looked right yet. But 
as far as an X factor coming off the bench, there was something to be said about, because when you talk about mentality, right? And I, I love going and referencing the Alexi Butea stuff, how after they win, she goes, well, we just want to keep killing them. We just want to keep winning. We just want to, we don't want to stop. Claudio Pina is, I think, maybe number two or three on the team in terms of that just tenacious desire for wins at all times. She is, that she is. Ruthlessness. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. Graham Hansen. Claudia Pina, like that is a ruthless, that's the perfect word. That's a ruthlessness that she has. And I think if there's a young player that's going to say, I don't care about these bright lights. I didn't win that first final. I wasn't a part of that. So this is my final. I want to win this. Claudia Pina also very much like Mariona, very much like Alexia. There is a versatility to her game. And I think when Barcelona, honestly, without Alexia early in the season, were at their best was when it was Claudia Pina as that number nine. I felt like that is when they moved the ball the best. That is when they were their most dangerous. So there is this world where Barcelona say, well, I know that Bronze and Alexia and, and Claudia Pina, especially in league, they haven't looked right. They haven't looked at what they were expected to look. But there is this world on a very you know positive way that Barcelona just does have everything clicked together and are the team that have been the best in Europe this season with the exception, again, of those two losses or those moments or those injuries or things like that, because they have the potential to have everybody except for a swallow. No, exactly. Um, it's actually, it's, um, they're very two, they're two very strong uh, squads, uh, both uh, Wolfsburg's and Barcelona's. And I think, you know, overall, like I said, overall, I can, where you can have, I, I mean, where you can leave Alexia, Bronze, Pina, Oshawala on the bench that is that is saying something <laughs> um you know because those four players would play uh you know in almost every team in the world like this and mm-hmm. you know um but Wolfsburg also have a very strong squad I mean they they, they can also have the luxury of leaving Hulebrand who is one of my favorite players in the world right now uh she's on the bench she's not a starter and she's fantastic so again it's 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 just a face-off between two of the strongest squads in the world but i do think that barcelona were the uh, strongest team throughout the season but again you know it's a final anything can happen and um and i think uh, that like you said the mentality of it barcelona have those players that can you know it's not enough to 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 beat them they have to kill them um and uh but Wolfsburg also have very very strong players mentally you have the likes of pop road you know players who are so experienced uh, and road is very young but she's very experienced and they're like mm-hmm. it's like ice runs through their veins they're very they're too despite how they play and they both play beautifully in my opinion they're very they're two very cold teams in terms of you know how they uh, face uh, challenges head on. So again, and that's also why I think Wolfsburg is the toughest opini- uh, opponent that Barcelona could have gotten at the moment because, um, you know, they don't crumble under pressure, but neither does Barcelona. So again, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a very tight match. Yeah. I mean, we're going we're gonna to get to Wolfsburg in just a second because we're almost finished with Barcelona mm-hmm. here, but I do want to focus on the back line for just a moment here. It does feel like Mappy Leon, who is still all of 27. So depending on when you jumped on board with the Barca Femini, it feels like Mappy Leon has been there forever, but she is still just 27. And the addition of Irene Paredes meant that Mappy wouldn't have it all on her shoulders and would allow her to be, not to say less of a defender, but less of a defender than she wants to be. Like we know that Mappy Leon is an attacking player in a defender's body. And Irene Paredes has allowed her to just really, really flourish on with the ball, 
obviously Barcelona usually has the ball, but on that side of the field. And it's, I think, been really interesting the way that she has raised her game more than I think Paredes has changed things on that back line for them. I think not that say that Barcelona are that, that Paredes didn't improve it or help lock something down. Their partnership has been good, but I think it's been interesting that Mappy Leon is the one that really has benefited from that partnership, even more so than I think Irene Paredes came and, and was, I mean, she was a reigning best world 11 player from PSG last season signing for Barcelona, but I don't think she's been that this year. But I think, again, Mappy Leon certainly has still been. I think I think you said it right. I think Paredes uh, uh, served as an unlocker. She unlocked uh, Mappy Leon. Um, so she gave Mappy more freedom. And by giving her more freedom, you know, Mappy has managed to, you know, it's not develop so much as ex- expose, you know, all the qualities that she has. Uh, passing wise, shooting wise, etc. Because she's a she's a uh, she's a builder as well as a defender, and I think Paredes has allowed that has allowed uh, Mapi to to flourish uh, in her game. She's had those qualities all along, but you know, with uh, and I love uh, I love Pereira, but, but you know, she is not as strong a defender as Paredes. And you know, when you have mm-hmm. like uh, it's like when you have a rock behind you you know, holding uh, everything together, it's it's easier to, you know, to step forward and take more risks. And of course, that also leads to more risk-taking on Barcelona's part in general. But I think, yeah, I mean, Paredes hasn't, it, it's not like, she didn't come here to, come here or to Iberia to, to, to be the star. I think, yeah, she unlocked Mapi Leon. She was like, okay, they were like, you're here, you know, to, to, well, yeah, again, to, to, to give Mappy Leon that security to go forward, to, to, to flourish, to show all these qualities that she has, she hasn't been to, she hasn't been able to, you know, uh, to like show as much when she had another partner in the uh, center of defense. So I think it's been an ideal partnership in that sense that they complement each other very well. And it has allowed Mappy Leon to, to flourish really. Yeah, I mean, and they're going to have their hands full, as you mentioned. So just real quick on, on Wolfsburg, who, as I said, they not only lost Graham Hansen to Barca in recent seasons, but also Pernell Harder to Chelsea. So it is almost with the names they've lost in recent seasons. And interesting enough, Wolfsburg going and kicking Harder out of the, the tournament was probably something a little sweet for some of them as well. But this season, as you mentioned, they didn't even win the title in Germany. And they have had some worrisome results in recent weeks. They lost 4 nothing, not one nothing or 2-1. They lost 4 nothing to Eintracht Frankfurt just over two weeks ago. And as you mentioned, Bayern Munich snuck by them for that title just on, on, uh, at the last moment. But as you said, they still have plenty of talent. And who Mappy Leon and Paredes and whether it's Bronze or Marta Torrejon on the right side and Arolfo on the left, Alexander Pop is going to be a problem up top that they're going to have to deal with. And then you mentioned they have ice in their veins, but um, I'm not saying literal ice, but the Icelandic forward in Jean Dodier. Again, pronunciations and apologies to our Icelandic fans, but she is going to be on the left wing, which is interesting because she was on the right wing. They move her over to the left side and she's really flourishing there. And stylistically, they're kind of giving the game away already, especially with those two in recent weeks. They're saying Pop and John Stordier are going to win this game for us. We're going to counterattack, especially on the left. We're going to attack 
that space. If bronze thinks she wants to come in the middle, if she, again, it is bronze starting even total home. If they in, in any way try to help with buildup coming inside, we're going to try to pop a ball over the top because Jones Dodier has speed to burn. Certainly. She is so quick, so fast and get in behind. And I don't know, Ines, I feel like this is one of those weird examples where I know you said there's an ace up the Barcelona sleeve, but I feel like we know what Wolfsburg is going to do. We know what Barcelona is going to do. And we know if Wolfsburg win 2 nothing, we know how it happened. If Barcelona win 3 nothing, we know exactly how it happened. I feel like stylistically, this game is going to play out the way we think it is. And it's which team is going to, let's say, execute their game plan better. I don't want to say it's as simple and straightforward as that, but it just feels like because of personnel and things like that, it feels like both these teams, if they play to their strengths, they're very different from one another. As you mentioned, there's a great juxtaposition in styles and the winner of their style is going to win this final. Yeah, exactly. Um, I remember like um, there was a team, um, well, there was a Portuguese team. It's a men's team again, but I think it's a perfect example because um, it's Sporting Portugal and Coaches that play Sporting Portugal usually say this, we all know how they play, but it's very tough to stop them. And that is a perfect description of Wolfsburg because we all know how Wolfsburg plays, but it's very difficult to stop them. It's very difficult to stop their game. And yes, they've had that uh, concern, that uh, worrisome defeat against Eintracht. But the thing is, um, if you look at Wolfsburg's games this season against, against top teams, and I'm saying Bayern, PSG, uh, Arsenal, they've lost one, one game. And it's been, uh, they tied uh, with Arsenal. Yes, they beat Bayern twice. They lost one against, uh, against Bayern. They, uh, they also walked past uh, PSG. So with teams that are at their level, I think they're one of the, toughest size to beat uh, in European football at the moment. And uh, again, they, they have, like I said, they have Jan's daughter, who is not only super fast, uh, she's also very, very skilled on the ball. And, uh, you know, that triangle in the midfield that uh, with, uh, well, now I'm forgetting, uh, with Svenja Huth, Jill Ward, and Alexandra Pop. You know, those three, which is funny because Alexandra Pop usually plays as the number 10, but we've seen her occupy the uh, number six position sometimes, you know, during games. And, um, you know, I think Pop is such a goal scorer and so experienced. Rord, also a great goal scorer. You have Eva Payor, who up top, which, pff, I mean, she's a, she's a she's tremendous. And with such a team, you can really, um, you know, can really overlook them and like you said i think it's going to be a matter of who applies their game style better and who also explores the other team's weaknesses because both teams have weaknesses better for example uh like you said Jan daughter facing off against uh bronze or marta two players who are not as fast nowadays as they used to be uh, you know when you have such a, a speedster against uh those two players you can lead to various problems, but also, on the other hand, um, Barcelona can explore um, Dominic Jensen, who is very, very skilled on the ball. She's mu very much a builder like um, like Mappy Leon, but defensively, she's not very solid, although I, I really like her. Uh, this is not to um, criticize her, but she's not as strong defensively as she is in other areas of her game. Um, you know, so to have... An, Again, when you have an attack like Eva Payor, Alexandra Pop, Vasmut, 
Jan Zotter, and you can leave uh, you can leave Jule Brand on the bench. And against Arsenal, she she started on the bench, came on, and I think she came on too late, by the way, but she came on and changed the game completely. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's very tough to say who is going to win to make a, a solid prediction because when you have that attacking talent, but also that talent, you know, in terms of like how they play, because both teams play very well, but both teams have a very, very solid, uh, you know, style. Um, I think Barso- um, Wolfsburg are the most versatile team in, in terms of how they adapt to the other team. They are very comfortable playing with on and off the ball, you know, being the more being the more dominant team, but also being, you know, more expectant and, uh, you know, being exploring counterattack more. They're very, very comfortable in both those roles, which can be dangerous for Barcelona. But I agree with you. It's going to be a matter of executing game plan and uh, exploring the other team's weaknesses. And we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not in the prediction game, but let me, this is a safe space for the Barcelona side of things. So let me make a prediction here. I'm not going to give you a score or anything like that, but I think the face and the name that people are going to be talking about is Caroline Graham Hansen. I think the narrative just sets up perfectly. I think she's been the best player for Barcelona this season. And I think arguably she's been the best player in Europe this season. So she's fit right now. And that is what you want. You want to fit Caroline Graham Hansen and the, the narrative with former Wolfsburg player. She knows some of the, some of the women over there. So my, my prediction is that, yeah, Caroline Graham Hansen is, is the face and the person and the name that is going to come out with her stock rising the most next season because of this one game. So that's my prediction. That, uh, I mean, obviously that means I, I'm also tipping my hand as who I think will win this match. But I, I, yeah, I do think Caroline Graham Hansen is going to be the difference, whether it's one goal or two goals or, Probably not more than that. <laughs> Wolfsburg, I give him more credit than that. But yeah, so that, that's that's where I see this one going. But uh, Ines, thank you so thank much you. for coming on, helping to preview. I hope this excited everybody. Of course, we'll be hearing from you shortly. But yeah, I really appreciate the time. Thank Thanks. you for inviting me. Thanks. All right, podcast listeners, this second part is just for you audio heads because I did have a little addendum to make after Mallorca and into Celta because while this whole show was about the Barca Femini, the Barca men's team do finish up their league competition with Celta, of course, on Sunday. And the stakes, as I mentioned, of Celta are almost zero for Barca, especially since for Celta, they have to avoid relegation. So there is a lot of work to do for them. And since Lamine Gamal will be helping out Rafa Marquez with Barca Athletic in the promotion playoffs, that's also coming off his absurd U17 Euro showing. So that's exciting. Kules won't be seeing him in the first team either. So again, no stakes there for him. But the one Barcelona player that it does matter for, and I did not mention him earlier this week, is Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, of course. And I'm not calling it collusion, but if it does end 0-0, which both gets Ter Stegen his clean sheet and keeps Celta up, well, you know, I think that'd be a perfect result for both these teams. But at 0-0, not the way that I think either fan base would want to leave the season, but it would be the result that helps everybody out. Because again, for Ter Stegen against Mallorca, he did match the Liga's record for the most clean sheets in a season with another shutout. Again, that happened on Sunday against Mallorca. He now is 26 on the season, equaling the record previously held by Deportiva La Coruña goalkeeper Paco Liano in the 1993-94 season. And to sum this up for Ter Stegen, he had a really cool quote this week. He said, the last games we suffered a lot in defense, but in the end, the prize has arrived. Now the goal is to overcome it. Once you are there, you have to attack it. It is not my mission, but the whole team's. I have to admit that now I am calmer, reaching these heights and not equaling the record would have been very hard. And you could tell that 
my favorite line of that is about the team. How he said it is the whole team's mission to get that clean sheet. But it's almost like saying, I think you know, this is your mission. And I mean, without... Without Araujo again, likely it just means that Ter Stegen is going to have to <laughs> do it again himself and know he's going to have to earn this clean sheet on his own again. Celta de Vigo are going to be a little bit desperate here. Now, last thing to do today is, of course, the messy news. And I will have a video coming out about this messy news later on today, tomorrow, tonight, or somewhere in the next 24 hours or so, kind of recapping the last few days here because... And it's going to be a lot of repeat here, but if this is where you get it, well, you get some of it here, and I'll have even more, and it'll be visual and all that stuff anyway on the video. But I, I think, as far as the news go, nothing new today, but I think we're all hearing about the same thing. Messi's group, including his agent and father, Jorge Messi, is getting anxious about the process and wants a resolution to his son's future sooner than later, which makes a lot of sense when you look at the last time that Barcelona and Messi were in contact and were supposed to be signing things and doing things like that, so... Apparently, Messi is moving away from the Saudi Arabia deal, which also does make sense to me. He still has two to three seasons of stuff to give on the field at a high level. Then he can go to Saudi Arabia for that final huge payday at like 39 years old. So it does appear that he is being patient on a resolution with only, at this moment, Barca and Inter Miami still connected. And like I said weeks ago, they could even work together, that being Inter Miami and Barcelona, to make something happen to make this all work. Now, obviously, Javier Tebas and the Liga can, of course, make sure nothing does materialize. And that news continues to be the stuff to wait for. And I am, of course, really interested in hearing what Barca has basically promised to make happen to financially get it done. To actually hear what's in their viability plan, that's even beyond Tebas and the Liga. Like, I want to hear what Barcelona has cooking and what they expect to get done. Because, again, it's not a matter of Barcelona promising that they're going to sell than to sign. No, they can sign. It's a matter of Barcelona know that they have to hit that threshold, which we've heard the number 200 million over and over and over again, that they have to drop the wage bill by that much for this summer to, to have next season's viability plan confirmed by La Liga. So we know that that has been a number for a long time. And I think Jordi Alba, and I, as I kind of said earlier in the week, the surprise of Jordi Alba leaving and him, what has been reported to give up 60% of his salary that was owed to him next season. We don't sure exactly how much closer that gets Barcelona, especially incorporating his deferred payments, but how much closer that gets Barcelona to 200 million. But again, taking 60% of, of 20 or so. So, I mean, now you're talking, he's foregoing around 13 mil. So they still have to pay him between six and seven, something like that. But yeah, I'm not entirely sure how that's going to work out. But again, it's about registering Messi because it's one thing to even sign him, but they won't be able to register him. And obviously Messi and his group are not going to agree to that to even wait to January to see if more money can be moved out or moved up. So yeah, we'll see what Barcelona has to do. Now, that said, the only person that seems to be really going the other way on all of this work that Barcelona still has to do is Guillaume Balague, who isn't wrong very often, especially when it comes to matters of Messi. He's one of the few journalists that does have and does seem to have access to Messi when the moments are brightest. So what's true about his reporting is the order of things that he really says is paramount to all this, that timeline. If Messi's camp wants a resolution... It may take weeks for Barcelona to do the promised deals to get the money to, A, as I said, get those renewals done that they already agreed upon. That's Araujo and Gabi and Balde and Alonso and Roberto. And then B, have enough money to fit Messi into the wage structure even when those deals are done. So the timelines between the two may not add up. Getting all those sales done, 
then being able to confirm those renewals at those numbers and then seeing what you have left. I mean, Balage was also bullish on the Inter-Miami deal, kind of shutting that one down. But the interesting thing about what he wrote for the BBC was that I don't see, I mean, I guess it's because it's for the BBC. I don't, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not questioning Blage and his information and the stuff he's getting. But yeah, from the BBC, it seems like no solution has been answered, which I think actually brings up more questions. Because if he's writing it for the BBC, why wouldn't there, there intrinsically be these immediate links to EPL? Because if you say no to Saudi Arabia, to Inter Miami and to Barcelona, which seem to be the primary three options, then where is he going? That would have to be the EPL. But again, Balage didn't seem to bring that up at all. I mean, is it that you, you're not blowing the cover off Man City already? Or is this almost like last season where Messi can't return to Barcelona, it doesn't work out, and so PSG goes, well, you've got one option here, Messi, because Man City aren't moving for you now. They're going for Erlen Holland. So, or sorry, they're going to go for Erlen Holland the next season, I should say. At that time, Man City weren't, again, you kind of knew where they were going to go in 12 months after that. So at this point, it seems like just like PSG kind of opened their arms to say, hey, Messi, come here. It seems like Man City might just do the same thing. Messi is looking around and saying, all right, well, I'm not going to go there, there, there. Where can I go? And then Man City says, yeah, we got a spot for you. We've got some salary for you. Let's come here. So the only thing I would say in the next few days, apparently Monday is supposed to be a big day when the, the offices open back up and all that for meetings and all that. But all I know is that here comes another Bamba and only one out of every like 10 Bambas is going to hold any water. So just be careful and, uh, you know, not to take the metaphor too far, but a wet Bamba is pretty useless, but I think you get the idea here. So yeah, just be on the, the lookout for all this stuff. It may take weeks again for this all to be rectified if Messi and his camp are willing to wait, which they waited before and they got bit. So I think if there's one player in world football that may not wait for Barcelona, it's the player that more than any wants to wait for Barcelona, as ironic as that, as, as sadly ironic, I think tragically ironic as that may be. So, all right, I think that'll do it for this show. There are two match reviews upcoming for me in the next few days, so look out for those, both the feminine final and then the season final in the league for Barcelona's men's team. And then we have plenty to talk about in the coming weeks, I'm sure, starting with reviewing the season, really digging in, because I'm already working on some Pedri stuff that I want to have a little bit of fun with. So as always, until next time, Forza Barca. Barca.